Monday, presented by Superbook.com. Here's Stokely and Zach. to think about it it is right here it is right now so strange how you doing today brandon stokely doing great got a suppressor coming up yes we do sean p s dot peyton s dot i really like that you like that i really like that thank you thank you i do you must try harder that's right finish it S. Carter, y'all must try harder. Competition is nada. There we go. So we excited. We we are excited about that. We got us a coach, man. We got us a real bona fide head football coach, and uh, we get to hear him today for the first time. So I'm excited about that. It's a good way to kick off the week. That uh, the process took a long time. It did. Here we are. We got one of the top candidates. We got us an adult. A guy that knows how to coach football in the moment's not too big for him, and I think that's a it's a big win for this ownership group. First big hire, and uh, I just like following Sean Payton. I think he's a fun guy to follow. You saw on Twitter like he's outside of Shanahan. How about that? You know, taking a picture. Went uh, right to Shanahan's. Right. I mean, how cool is that? So love it. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be fun. I'm excited about it and just can't wait to hear uh, what he has to say. How about you? How oh, you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Happy Monday to you. Lots of excitement. Um, we have uh, the stream pulled up and this, uh, the press conference is scheduled uh, for right now. Really, right now. So we start a minute or two early here uh, on a Monday. Make sure we uh, are all buttoned up. Everyone behind the scenes is ready to go here. And it's, um, you know, today marks... Um, We've done this all too often over the last handful of years, but today marks a new day in the history of the Denver Broncos, one that we hope is a new dawn. This is an organization that is trying to get out the worst stretch of Broncos football in their NFL existence. The Broncos have tried a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, and none of it has worked. And hopefully, Sean Payton is the coach that is just the guy that has the skins on the wall. He's been there before. He's done that. And can he fix Russell? And we're going to hear uh, all types of questions. Uh, we're seeing uh, the ownership group come up to the podium, and let's go there live now. Welcome to the Broncos family. Uh, I also want to thank our owners, uh, uh, Condi and Kerry, who are here today. Uh, Rob couldn't be here today. For one of oh. accountability and discipline. And also, identi- also build a really strong identity on offense. I couldn't be more proud of where we came out, and we have the perfect coach in Sean Payton. We had a chance to visit with people around the league, including a number of Sean's former players, as part of this process. They could not have been more positive about what Sean brings as a head coach. He coaches with intensity, demanding a high level of accountability and preparation. Sean pours his heart and soul into winning, and players respond to his enthusiasm, creativity, and genuine love of the game. In just a few days here in our building last week, uh, he's already bringing that energy and passion uh, into our building and organization. 
Let me also say to Broncos country, uh, thank you for your patience. We realized this was a long process. Uh, we wanted to take our time, and we wanted to get it right, and we did. So thank you. On behalf of the Walton Penner Family Ownership Group, it is my privilege and honor to welcome the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton. Um, first off, thank you, uh, Greg, for, for that introduction. Um, before I get started, <clears throat> there's some flashbacks um, for me in kind of starting over again. And, and that's what, what it feels like for me today. Uh, and- All right, this is Sean Payton at the podium uh, being introduced for the first time as new head coach of the Broncos. Um, first off, thank you, uh, Greg, for, for that introduction. Um, before I get started, <clears throat> there's some flashbacks um, for me in kind of starting over again. And, and that's what, what it feels like for me today. Uh, and so my first time in 2006 at this press conference, I had three pages of papers. My agent had put together pretty much everything I was going to read. Um, it was probably the most unimpressive press conference in, uh, in in my 16 years in New Orleans. So I did the opposite. Um, there's no paper. Um, there's thoughts. Um, so I'll be a little more patient, but I think a little bit more engaging. Um, I first want to thank my family that's here. Uh, my wife, Skyline, uh, she's... Um, you know, someone's going to ask the question, why would you get back in, Coach? And so maybe I can answer that right now. Skylene, when you work only Sundays in the Fox studio and then you have Monday through Saturday, there's a point at which she looked at me and said, when are you getting back to work, buddy? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we, we all kind of we all kind of live with this idea of we're going to we're going to work to this golden spot and then we're going to retire and it's going to be wonderful and we're sold that on tv a lot and my uh, prior owner the late mr benson used to tell me how overrated retirement was um and i kind of feel where he was coming from a little bit after just one year of whatever that was um so thank you for being patient with me um both my children are here. Uh, Megan, who's the oldest, a graduate from Pepperdine. She's in sports journalism. My son, Connor, who's a senior at TCU. He's a coaching assistant there. And Megan's fiance, Chris Titone, they're getting married this June. Um, I tell the story about my two kids. Connor, who's getting into scouting, he wants to eventually become a professional scout, maybe a general manager. My daughter, Megan, obviously in journalism. And I think they both decided Connor, one, wants to hire and fire the coach, and Megan wants to cover the hiring and the firing of the head coaches. And so they've they've seen uh, my career from afar, a lot of moves, um, but a lot of great memories and championships. And, uh, Chris, we're looking forward to you joining our family uh, this June. Um, I want to thank the ownership group here present today. Um, Man, it, it was a longer process this year, I think, for most clubs relative to the new protocols. But uh, my first meeting with Greg and George uh, and Ms. Condi on, on, a, on a Tuesday in Los Angeles at 10 o'clock went for four and a half hours. It was fantastic. And, and then later, Carrie, I really appreciate the time 
Um, I was a backup in the Fox studios a week and a half ago, just in the event something happened in Philadelphia with the feed. And so they keep a, a backup plan. And uh, I had a great visit with Carrie, her father, Rob. Um, and that was really good. Damani, it's been a pleasure meeting you. And uh, you're from Chicago, so that's a good start with me. We, we, we had this synergy, at least being from the same home city. Um, along those lines, and, and I'm going to jump around here, that to me, every, everyone... Look, everyone has a job to do, and, and they all tried to jump inside what I was looking for. On one of the Fox broadcasts, I, I said it pretty clearly. Ownership was important to me. Um, I had been exposed to a great ownership group in New Orleans, and I think it's appropriate for me to thank Mrs. Benson. Uh, obviously, her late husband, Tom Benson, was the owner when I first arrived there, um, and then the general manager, Mickey Loomis. So what I knew for 16 years was functional, um, wasn't easy, but it was functional and it was supportive and it was respectful and it was teamwork at its best. And that was Mickey Loomis, who I didn't know at the time, um, who later became a very close friend, and then Mr. Benson and Mrs. Benson. That triangle to me was most important in this process. Um, and, and obviously the, the players, um, the city, all of those things factor in. I think the second most important thing to me was the passion. Uh, is football important here? And it, and it obviously is, right? I mean, it's 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 a it's a city that's that's had great success, three championships, and a number of Super Bowl appearances. Appearances that wasn't present when I went to New Orleans. Now, when you when you're a first-time head coach, you're out running. 100 miles an hour looking for that first opportunity. And so, you know, you don't sit back and, and, and you, you don't have that luxury of being more selective. But, but I felt really good about my early conversations with Greg and then having a chance later to meet um, Carrie and Condi and George. George and I, man, we've competed against each other, our club, for years. And I just, there's so many people that I know that are close with him. And it kept, it kept coming back the same way. So throughout the process of interviewing, it still came back to that triangle of front office ownership and then passionate fan base. Um, I know it was a longer period of time that most of us weren't familiar with. And part of that is because of the protocol change. There's still two clubs, actually, that are that are in the midst of, of making their decisions. Um, the other unique thing with this, and, and you all know this, um, was the complication relative to compensation for me to become available through the Saints. And, and that's, again, I go back to thanking um, Mrs. Benson, Dennis Lauscher, the president there, uh, is a great friend and ally, and Mickey Loomis, and then Mickey and George. I mean, George and I would speak... <laughs> Like, you know, for a period of three, four days, this went on and on, the negotiations. Um, obviously, the same way with Greg and, and his wife, Carrie. So patience was necessary, um, you know, and, and I think that I think in the end it, it worked out exactly as, as I had hoped and I think exactly as, uh, as the Broncos ownership had hoped. And now it wasn't easy. Um, but n nevertheless, nothing ever is when, when you go through something like this. Um, I'm looking forward to meeting many of you, working with you, and understanding the jobs you have. 
man, you've been fortunate. You guys have covered many of the three Super Bowl championships and countless playoff games. And my hope is that you're going to be covering more of those with, with, our, uh, with our leadership. Um, there's a lot of hard work that's involved. Uh, that really began last week. Uh, I know a lot of you have questions about coaches, and I'll probably you know, not answer any of those questions. Just to tell you that we're working hard to put the right staff together. Um, here's one thing that I think is important, and I shared this throughout the process. Uh, oftentimes in our league, organizations want to win the day when they hire their head coach. They want to win the day uh, during the draft. I've never seen a you know, a GM or a head coach come down and say, we didn't get our guy. You know, gosh dang it, someone just jumped in front of us and we had to settle on Bill. You know, you, you don't say that, right? You, you say we got our guy. What's most important, although obviously hiring the right people and drafting the right people are important, but ultimately it's, it's what we do during the season. That's how we're measured. And so uh, from experience, having gone through this one other time, in 2006, there were tarps on our walls. The team had just come back from San Antonio. Um, there were, there, the hospitals weren't open. Our problems then uh, were so much different. And so for, for us, for a short period of time, as we hired staff and coaches, you know, we'd celebrate each one. Like we'd have a cake if we got a coach to say, yes, he's coming. You know, First there was three, then there was five, and then we slowly put a staff together. And I'll never forget that, that group. Um, we've actually celebrated that group. Uh, those guys, they came when many didn't want to come. And now, mind you, everyone came for a promotion. We weren't winning any lateral. You know, if someone had the same job offered somewhere else, there's a good chance they, they took that job. But that's the fun part. Like, that's why we do this. And so the, the banners and the trophies and the, and the media and the money – uh, those all come with it. But the journey, and, and here's what happens when you win one, it's like you have that evening and then the very next day you get right back on the treadmill and you start chasing the chicken again. It begins again. And so it's hard to replace that when you're removed from it. And so for a year working with Fox, man, I couldn't wait for Sundays. That was my football fix. That was the day that I, I got to at least get a little bit of what I've been missing. My clothes I'd lay out the night before. I was the first one in. I'd wear them out. You know, questions. And, you know, I had the morning show with Carissa. She, she was fantastic. I did the second show, uh, rotated with Jimmy Johnson, um, Bill, and, and uh, Eric Shanks. The, the whole crew there, that, they were so fantastic. And then sit in the green room and watch eight TV screens and basically watch a whole day of football. The first round of games, the second round of games, 5 a.m., and then go home at 5.30. And regardless of how my narrative worked out, whether I'd predicted things that were happening, whether I had a good day, what have you, you drive home and there's nothing that replaced the feeling of winning. It just didn't. And so off in the distance, uh, I used this analogy, it was a little bit like that racetrack that you could smell the gasoline, you heard the cars running, you could see the lights, you knew you were there, and you know what there is like. It's hectic. It's loud. It's busy. It's noisy. It's not always fun. There's challenging times. There's losses. There's wins. But but every day you'd look and you'd hear it, and you're thinking, man, I, I, I can't wait to get back. And so um, I appreciate one more time um, the Walton Penner Ownership Group for having me back and look forward to making you proud. Uh, look forward to working with everyone in here 
and uh, and building that winning culture. It, it's something that um, is it's not easy. It's something that is is daily, monthly, and it's something that can slide or slip quickly. Uh, I feel like we did that in New Orleans. Um, the first year, I, our second season, we played in the Hall of Fame game. And so that's in Canton. We had a chance to tour the Hall of Fame. Now, we were playing the Steelers, who were celebrating their 75th anniversary. And that's a little bit of a, like, you get there, and I'm like, man, who signed us up for this game? There's nothing but, like, Steeler fans, 75-year anniversary, a bunch of terrible towels, and then we had a couple Saints fans. So we did the tour of the museum, and I talked to our team that night about the tradition. We I don't know how many Steelers are in the Hall of Fame. Similar here. There's a ton of representation. But at that time, there weren't any Saint players in the Hall of Fame. Since then, there have been a number. But I remember telling that team, that first 016, 017, that um, we look at Pittsburgh as a certain team that's one of the iconic teams, winning programs or franchises, just like we would see the Broncos. And New Orleans wasn't viewed that way. And I said, we will be soon. And what I love is that my son and my daughter and anyone in their generation would look at the Saints as a team that you had to contend with year in and year out for the last 16 years. Won a lot of games. And that's what ultimately that's what it's about. And so um, hopefully today we've won this day and hopefully we win the draft. But more importantly, uh, it's winning in the fall and, and building a championship that this city and, and most of you, most of you have had a chance to experience. So um, we'll go from there. All right. That was Sean Payton live at the podium right now as he has stepped away from the microphone. And it looks like, and we can see the TV in the other room, it's uh, Sean Payton, Kerry Penner, Greg Penner, Damani Leach. Uh, all taking uh, pictures together. George Payton. Uh, George Payton uh, has been invited today as well. Yeah. Uh, he- <laughs> Just for a little bit. Connor's going to be taking that job. Watch out, George. Here comes Sean's son. We'll circle back to that. Uh, let's go back to the podium where they will take questions now. Parker Gabriel from the Denver Post. Sean, uh, welcome to Denver. Uh, one for each you and, and Greg. You mentioned the three things that were most important for you, and in particular with the front office, you worked with Mickey Loomis for such a long time. What, what goes into having a really good relationship between a coach and GM and, and sort of what sort of started you off to, with George on that front? Yeah, I, I think a couple things. Um, look, compatibility uh, is the goal we talk about all the time with our staff, and so um, the individuals, their skill set, first off, is important. Um, I use this term all the time. You know, it's, you don't have to have a good sense of humor, but you have to be able to laugh at yourself. And uh, and so, when I arrived in New Orleans for that first day, there was no one at the airport. And what I mean by that was the only person at the airport, aside from the pilots, was Mickey at baggage claim, and and it was. It was pretty raw still, and I and I remember that day feeling, as the day progressed, like I kind of like this guy, and I liked his personality, and um, but I kind of felt like, man, I like him, but not enough to where I'm going to come help him out with this mess. I mean, you know, it was it was challenging. Um, so George and I first had a chance to meet then in L.A. Uh, for the last three days, probably worn a track out back and forth to each other's offices, and I feel the same way. Um, 
I feel like I've got good instincts, and uh, and I feel like there's a demeanor with him that reminds me of Mickey um, in, in a good good way, a very um, steady. Uh, and I've always look, I've always respected the teams he's been a part of. I mean, Mike Zimmer and I, who was the head coach of Minnesota and spent a lot of time uh, with George Zimmer and I were were under Parcells at Dallas. So they're, it's a small industry, but particularly in our case. And, um, yeah, and I think uh, we hit it off kind of right away. And, and so there, there's, you know, we're similar. My first game that I ever was involved in a coach, I was a graduate assistant at San Diego State. It was 1988. I'll never forget. It was at the Rose Bowl. San Diego State versus UCLA Bruins. Troy Aikman was a senior on that team, what year were you? Richard freshman. George Payton. It sounds like it's spelled like Patton, but George Payton. George Payton was on the field in that game as, as a redshirt freshman. What I remember about that game, I don't think Troy Aikman had a ball touch the ground. They beat his forty some uh, points to three. All right, that is uh, Sean Payton uh, at the podium with George Payton and at the Rose Bowl. San Diego State versus UCLA Bruins. Troy Aikman was a senior on that team. What year were you? Richard freshman. George Payton. It sounds like it's spelled like Patton, but George Payton. George Payton was on the field in that game as, as a redshirt freshman. And what I remember about that game, I don't think Troy Aikman had a ball touch the ground. They beat us 40-some uh, points to three. But I just couldn't get over how, how great it felt to be on the sidelines as a coach. Mind you, I was a GA. I was getting Gatorade or sandwiches. But um, I'll never forget that first game. And so I think I think it's, it's easy to say the relationship has to be good. It's harder for the relationship to be good. And I feel real fortunate early on to know that I think I'm – I think there's this myth that I'm this, like, tyrant that has to come into the building and control everything. And I'm like, where are you guys getting all this stuff from? Um, I might be a tyrant once in a while, though, but not a lot. Anyway, I, I, I really enjoy his company, and, and I, think, uh, I think it works extremely well so far. I wasn't calling a tyrant. I was more curious than anything. And, and with Greg, first time going through this process and, and looking for a coach, um, what did you learn? How does it play out? How is it maybe different than the, the corporate world? Yeah, very different from the corporate world. Uh, one, the the media scrutiny obviously is is at a different level than you'd have in a any CEO search. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the process. I learned a lot. Uh, it was it was a bit longer than we expected. Part of that was the league rules. Part of that was the complexity of of Sean's situation. Uh, with the Saints, but you know, at the end of the day, we wanted to run a comprehensive process. We wanted to be open-minded. Uh, we met with eight great candidates. I, you know, we learned something in each of those meetings, uh, and so we, we came away from it um, feeling really good about the process. Uh, but the most important thing is where we ended up, and where we ended up is with uh, the perfect coach for the Denver Broncos. Yes, Sean, Mike Kliss, Nine News. Uh, there's a lot of discussion this year about Russell Wilson and his performance versus Seattle. I think you were asked about it a time or two on the Fox studio. As you studied film of him and you were preparing to take this job, where did you come down on where Russ is and how you 
yourself can uh, bring him back to where he was before. Yeah, look, um, there's a couple positions. You know, the quarterback certainly is one of them in our league that, that gets scrutinized very well. And, and obviously, it wasn't the type of season he had wanted to have. Um, I do feel, feel like the last couple of weeks we saw a little bit more of maybe what we were expecting or accustomed to. And I say we, you all, when, when you signed him. Um, I, I think the number one job for us as coaches is in, in evaluating our players. What are the things that they do really well? Um, and then let's try to uh, put them in those positions. Um, at least that... That's the starting point, and, and I think that's important to highlight their strengths and also to minim, minim, minimize maybe any weaknesses. Here's what I know. I know he's a hard worker. I know he's an extremely hard worker. Uh, that's important. And I think you take that, you understand the skill set. He's, he's won uh, a lot of games in Seattle. We, we played him quite a bit just because we were both playoff teams in the NFC at that time. And then you go from there. Um, and I think that's the same case uh, although it's a much more visible position, it's the same case and the same um, goal for us with, with every player on this roster. What do they do well? It's easy to point out what, what players don't do well. And there's certain coaches that tend to look at it that way. But I, I kind of was taught early on, um, hey, what is it they, they do well? And let's have them do those things. Um, none of us want to go. I, I don't like singing, period, but none of us want to be at a karaoke bar with a song we don't know the words to. So how do we, how do we get them comfortable and highlight their strengths? And, and that, that's the process that's going to be begin right now is, is, is I'm learning about every one of these players, not just Russell. Troy Rank from Denver 7. The first question is for uh, George Payton. George, with the changing structure with the arrival of Sean, he talked a little bit about his compatibility with you. How do you see that working with Sean moving forward? And then to Coach Payton, you turned around the Saints in one year. I mean, they've been coming out, I think, 3-13. and 13. Is it realistic for Broncos country to expect you guys to be relevant again in your first season? Yeah. Uh, you want me to answer that question first? So, look, um, I, I don't like making predictions because because I think that there's so much that goes into it. Uh, I think it's realistic for, for our fan base to expect uh, a, com- a completely different type of culture. And I think it, it, it's realistic for them to expect us to win. Um, now, to what degree? I, I remember the 06 team, and we finished the preseason. We had to play all of our preseason games on the road, I think, because the Superdome wasn't ready. And then we had to open on the road for two weeks. And after the second or third preseason game, we, we'd gotten beaten pretty bad by Dallas. And I, I came into the locker room and I sat down with Mickey. I said, we're not going to win a game with this team. And uh, we, we ended up winning a lot of games. So uh, I, I know this, the work, the work has started. Um, you know, this, I kind of use this term, you know, a little bit more anonymous donors this season. You know, where we're not, you, know, you just know that we're working, uh, but a little bit less visibility on social media and all those other things like we're going to get to work and ultimately it's how we do in the fall um so we kind of go from there and then and then we kind of earn it with our fans and and we've got fantastic fans that uh, will appreciate that 
Yeah, and Troy, um, you know, I met Sean, you know, for the first time, you know, in that first interview, 10 a.m. Uh, in, in Los Angeles, and, and I remember meeting him at the front. And uh, we, had, we do have a lot of common friends and acquaintances, and uh, it was very easy. You know, just the conversation, I felt like uh, throughout the interview we were aligned on how we want to build this, uh, like-minded, and then... You know, throughout the process, a lot of follow-up calls just between, you know, between Sean and I and, and uh, you know, again, it was just, it was easy. And then, then we, you know, we hired him and then brought him here and, and shoot, I'd pick him up uh, at the hotel at 6 a.m. We'd be here late in the evening. And, um, you know, I don't know if we need to move our offices closer, but, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in his office. He spent a lot of time in mine. Obviously, this is a honeymoon period. We have a lot of work to do. But uh, I, do th- I do think we have similar philosophies, similar visions uh, of how to build this team, and that, that starts today. Hey, Sean, it's Arnie Stapleton from Associated Press. <clears throat> you touched on it a little bit in your opening comments about uh, your year away from coaching. And I'm wondering, is, um, did that year away allow you to recalibrate, recharge, and as you come into this new opportunity, how different is it from your first opportunity in those six with the Saints when you were a first-time coach? Yeah, um, look, there, there are some similarities that, that will exist always when you start new. Um, and, you know, you know for the, for the early part of six, seven, eight months, whenever you go to sleep at night, your checklist won't be complete. That's just part of the deal. Um, but it is different, too, relative to my experience. Um, this program, this organization, where they're at compared to where we were in 2006. I will say this. Um, there's when you're younger, I don't know that the level of gratitude exists. And I'm not giving my children a hard time with your generation. I'm not talking about that. But as you get older and wiser, you, you grow to appreciate the journeys, the relationships um, with the players, with the people in the building. Um, I think you all in the media will get the better part of me than the, the first group in New Orleans. I know many of you have talked to them already. They've told me. And, and they've all asked me to be as tough on you as I was on them uh, in 06, 07, and 08. And so early on... Um, when you start that process and young, you're young, you, um, you're not paying attention to your battery level. I don't play a lot of video games, but like I'm sure my battery level, my, my charge would have been expired. And as you get older, you begin to pick and choose and you begin to realize maybe the things that are more important and the things that aren't as important. Um, I'll be challenging, I'm sure, at times with, with, with this process in, in maybe many of your eyes, but everything... And I mean that everything is because I think it helps us win more. And so you, you, you get a much clearer vision as to what's important. And regardless of whether you throw for 200 yards or what you do defensively or offensively, it's, it's to win and to win and to win again. And so that becomes a little clearer with experience than it, than it was for me um, at age 42 in 2006 um but the excitement you know the the feeling you get when you do win or or the pain you feel when you lose that is exactly the same when you're 42 or 58 Uh, that those things uh don't vary coach 
Eric Delal at DenverBroncos.com. One for you, one for Greg. Like, Coach, when you went to New Orleans and you started that turnaround, what were some of the tangible steps you took right away to change the culture that could be applicable here? And then, Greg, for you, was it important to find a coach who had been part of a turnaround like that before? Yeah, great question. I I was fortunate to spend three my last three years as an assistant. I worked for Bill Parcells. Um, Bill's in the Hall of Fame now. He's won two Super Bowls. And sometimes our bloodlines um, find us intentionally. Sometimes we're just a product of where we ended up, so we don't get to choose sometimes. You know, in other words, uh, but for me, those three years were like law school. And, and he said this to me, when you go somewhere new, and, and he said, look, when you're going to New Orleans, you have to figure out what's kept them from winning for the last 30 years. You know, he, he, you, you're going to have three or four years or else there's going to be another young coach with another navy blue shirt and coat uh, and a suit on. Um, evaluate the people and go by what you see. So don't predispose yourself to any belief or thought. Just pay attention to what you're seeing in every area of the building. And, and, and so give it a fair run because he said there are a lot of people where you're going that want to be a part of a championship program. They just happen to be caught up in dysfunction. Now, I don't think that's the case here. Obviously, it's much much different relative to the history and the tradition. But evaluate what we see, what we go by. George and I have said that already. Let's just go by what we see. There, there's a means to how everyone arrived here from a playing perspective. We have draft picks. We have free agents. We have undrafted free agents. And that's the method to procure the talent. Um, once they're here... None of that matters. Once they're here, we're going to go by what we see and who gives us the best chance to win. So, yeah, there was turnover in that first couple seasons. Um, there were, there were, man, a number of players that ended up playing on our Super Bowl team in 09 that were a part of that transition. It was difficult. It was uncomfortable. And I think, um, yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of people that, that – that embrace and are comfortable with change, and then there are a few that aren't. And so I think just trying to have an, an open mind to, uh, to the direction we're going, but a clear vision as to where. Open mind, clear. And then there's a little bit of old school mixed in with the new school. And so um, I'm not the, the 31-year-old coach who's got all these – there's something I have in the back of my mind relative to how I think we need to be successful that never changes, and, and those are things that I look forward to putting in place. Zach yeah, Stevens I, with DNVR, Sean. Well, let me answer. Let me answer the other part of that. So, on the you know the turnaround experience, certainly helpful, but uh, for us, it was more around the fact that. He put a winning football team on the field just about every year for, for 15 seasons. And um, you don't do that without an incredible uh, passion and intensity. As I called around and, and talked to others around the league, uh, it kept coming up. It's the attention to detail. And, and I think one of your former players told, told me a story about the size of the towels in the locker room. And, and Sean didn't think the towels were, were big enough. And, uh, but the, that level of attention to detail is what makes for winning organizations. And um, he's going to bring that, that energy and passion to every, every part of our building. 
Sorry about that, Greg. Zach Stevens with DNVR. Sean wanted to welcome you to Denver. Uh, and I have a question for Greg and George. There was a report shortly after that it came out that Sean was going to be the head coach here that said you were making a push for D'Amico right before that. Can you comment uh, on that report? I can comment. Uh, yeah, that wasn't the case. Uh, again, we met with a number of uh, great candidates through the process, uh, but once we Walked in with Sean about five or six days before uh, we got the trade done uh, with the Saints. Our our focus was um, uh, entirely on him and and closing that. Yeah, I would just say, you know, Sean was more complicated than the others, obviously. We would have had Sean done earlier, right, if we didn't have that other layer of the trade. And, uh, you know, with the trade, I just want to... uh, you know, I did the trade with Mickey Loomis and, uh, you know, first class all the way. Uh, Mickey's been one of the top GMs in the league for the last, you know, 15 years or so. And just can't say enough about Mickey and the first class he showed uh, to get the trade done. And, and the goal all along was not only to get Sean, uh, but also to have it be win-win. You know, win, win for the Broncos, win for the Saints. And I think we accomplished that. Uh, Romy Beans, CBS Colorado. Sean, it's clear you have very high standards, but when it comes to the men in your locker room, you're being willing to coach them, to guide them. What are, what are your non-negotiables you have to have from your players to be on this team? Yeah, look, I think with any team or any organization, you know, you have law and order, as Bill would say, you know, and, and there's a certain uh, unselfishness to being part of a team. Um, and so uh, you don't want to – you come in with your standards – but you're not coming in indicting anyone else's. You're just coming in with this This is how we're going to teach. This is how we're going to meet. This is how we're going to practice. Um, and and I'm, I'm not too familiar with maybe how that was uh, in the last few years, four years or five years. And, and look, it's kind of one of those where, you, you know, you really knock the rearview mirror off the automobile. We're just looking forward. Um, there's been a lot of great coaches come through here. Look, every year in our league, there have been great plans with uh, noble thoughts and, and a lot of enthusiasm that don't have success. That happens. But, um, but yeah, it, di- discipline, toughness, and, and football makeup and character is going to be real important for who is a Denver Bronco. Uh, I use this story, and, and it's a compliment, and I'm, I'm very comfortable with it, when I got hired in New Orleans in '06, we just had to look at New England if we really wanted to see, you know, what the standard was. If, if we were making pizzas and there's a line around the block in front of their pizza parlor, then we might want to know what they're putting in their crust or their sauce. Um, and I was lucky enough to coach in the Pro Bowl my first year. We went to the NFC Championship game, and it used to be when the Pro Bowl was a football game. Um, it, it used to be. The coaching staffs off the losing championship weekend coached the Pro Bowl in Hawaii the week after the Super Bowl. And it just so happened my first year, it was the Saints, our staff, and it was the Patriots and Bill Belichick and his staff. So lucky for me, um, I get a chance to um, right away meet this coach, Belichick. Now, I don't know who was in charge of the hotel lodging there, but Bill had a suite on the first floor, and then they put my suite with my two young kids jumping off the beds on the second floor, keeping Belichick awake. But I got to know him, practiced with that team probably four or five different times, and we studied closely how important intelligence was, communication, makeup, um, and that served us well later. And so 
there is an element of discipline and there is an element uh, of toughness and uh, and look it's not for everyone it's not for everyone and so um, but but that's the approach we'll take Sean Edwarder ESPN um, as you looked around at the opportunities that were available in this coaching cycle to what degree did you, were you convinced the Broncos were the one that offered the best chance to win sooner and based on your conversation with George, whatever tape you've watched, yeah. what's your evaluation in general? Of I, I think this, and, and I, I appreciate the earlier question relative to like really good coaches, D'Amico and Houston. Uh, I had a chance to, to spend time with four clubs. Um, I was fortunate, I think, enough to be in that position where I didn't take for granted there'd be an opportunity, but I knew there was serious interest in it with, with a lot of clubs. Um, I'd gone on an interview in, in, in Carolina. I'd gone on one in Arizona. Um, uh, the first day that I could be interviewed, the 17th, um, Greg, George, and Condi were there like breakfast time, the very first day. And, and I knew that meant something. Um, Houston, we, we did a Zoom call. That was All of the, the process was fantastic. Um, what I was looking for, I felt existed in one place based on my exposure in, in, with the other, the other teams. Um, and I also was in a position where, look, uh, if it didn't work out, then, you know, we, we, we continue uh, working at Fox and, and waiting for the next hiring cycle. Um, this, this, this was the opportunity that I was interested in. Um, and, and I know I was the coach they were interested in. Now, it was complex. So if you, any of you were involved in ownership and you were involved in trying to trade for a coach, certainly you would have a plan in place if those stakes were too high. I mean, I, I told Greg and George, Here, here's the thing. They're making the trade, but it's like this trade impacts me. And if this trade is for this, then don't take it because I don't want to go if you lose that. <laughs> Does that make sense? And so that's where these guys were fantastic. And, yeah, if you're in that position, you're on the phone with everyone because at any time it might not work. And so I think, yeah, I think I think D'Amico was probably talking with Lewis Hamilton or something because I was on the phone with these guys the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, uh, Darren McKee from 104.3 The Fan. First of all, cool to see your son Connor here, star of uh, home team. Uh, he's right here. He's, so he's in, I told you, he's in, he's in scouting with TCU. They had a great semifinal game against Michigan. We celebrated that. We were at that game. And then not, it was a tougher game versus Georgia. Um, <laughs> well, you made a, a good quarterback switch in the movie, at least. Uh, yeah. Um, but you did say when, when the Broncos welcomed you on, on Twitter, you said time to work, hashtag details. I've heard about details quite a few times right here. I was wondering if you could provide any specific examples right. of details. That really you want some fun details. So yes. we talked about the towels. I share this story, and, and at some point, someone here is going to ask about, hey, is it you or is it George drafting the players? Is it you or George cutting the team? Is it you or George? Mickey Loomis and I, for 16 years, and I mean this, I can't think of one challenging time we had relative to roster. And we might go into the office and discuss it. Or one challenging time we ever had 
relative to their draft picks. But we, we go in and figure it out, and then certainly uh, in a collaborative effort, handle that with Greg and Carrie, and, and, and that's the, the greatness of the teamwork. Now, we would fight like cats and dogs over these other details. So the towel thing was... It was one of our playoff games, and I, I like that when every towel's in a seat, you know, 70,000, and, and it's distracted. We have a hard place to play, just like it's hard to play here. And the towels we handed out were like, they were kind of like the napkins you get after you have like a seafood. You know, they, they were just, and so I asked Mickey, I said, wave this towel. And he, and, and he tried to, and I'm like, you have to dip it in water to wave the towel correctly. And so um, it might be the shoes players wear for a game. It might be. Um, man, we'd win four, five, six games in a row, and you know, Bill taught us that that's when complacency set in, and, and so nobody knows about the original. You know how the people glad hand you, so we had our ticketing department climb in through the aisles and just shake hands with every member of the team and not say a word to see you're doing a great job, doing a great job. Um, we brought in mascots from other teams. We'd, there's a lot of things. If we're maniacal with the details on the field, then we have to be that way in every other element. The training room, the weight room, um, how we approach ticket sales, it, 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 everything matters. Like, you can't just say, oh, it's only this that's important, right? Everything matters. And so how we traveled, how we celebrated in the locker room. We, we bought a $30,000 stereo system, Club Dub. And we felt it was important, especially on the road, that everyone that could possibly hear our locker room celebrating, like, what is going on in there? And that is creating culture. And so with the right people, with the details, um, I could go on and on. We've got a, a ton of different stories. Uh, George Stoya, Denver Gazette. Sean, there was obviously a lot of reports out there during the search. One I wanted to ask you about was one that Russell called you during this process. Did that happen? What was that conversation? Yeah, he did. And, I, like, when he called right away, I thought, man, I'm the last person that needs to get in trouble with the league. So I just I, – I, we chatted. I coached Russell in the Pro Bowl. And so it's a very small community where you get to know these guys. And he lives he lives real close to Drew and Del Mar. And Drew had been – Drew's like, man, Russell is wearing me out. And I said, Drew, we're going to give you a little spot in the program. We'll call you Senior Assistant of Del Mar. You know, that's where Drew lives. Um, but, yeah, we spoke briefly. And, and Latavius Murray is one of my former players. And he's played with a number of teams. A super guy. You guys have had a chance to cover him. He's just, uh, you know, one of those guys you like being around. And, and we had a great experience with in New Orleans. And I had gotten a text Right at the end of the season, he's like, man, we've got to find a way to get you here, me and my backfield teammates. So I didn't, when I heard that, I thought of running back. So then I thought, who else is in his backfield? And I'm like, who's your backfield teammate? And then he, he sent, like, the number three. And I said, it was Christmas time. And I said, well, be careful what you're asking Santa for. That was my response. So that, that we kind of go from there. The, did the orange tie mean anything on Fox? It did. Okay. It did. <laughs> it did. So some some of you caught it, and and that's the type of thing I'm thinking of. Like this pocket tissue I'm wearing right now has an angle going upwards, if you can see it, if any of you can. And the horse, I believe, has an angle going upwards. And so this morning when I put it on, that's kind of that's kind of symbolic about the direction we're heading right now. And uh, man, I know this at the top. Wayne Gretzky used to say, "The view never changes from the top." 
and that's that's where we're going. Sean, uh, Nick Cosmatter with The Athletic. I've, I've read that you, you tell coaches you're in the buying business when it comes to uh, play call ideas, and I'm just curious what you what you gathered. Well, I think when, when you say that, I Jerry Jones said this once. It made a lot of sense. Man, we're always opening the door to be sold in a direction or moved in a thinking. Like, you know, the minute we ever stop opening the door, I think as educators um, – I can't think of the number of mistakes that I made when I first started coaching that I look back on now. And, well, how would my growth have been if I wasn't opening doors and looking at how to improve? So we're always in the business of trying to be better. We constantly look at, you know, the updated schedules. How can we be more efficient with our time? How can, how can we um, teach better? And so, what, man, even in 06, what we taught or how we taught it, changed dramatically to how we were teaching in 2020 or 2021 so yeah i i'm i am in the buying business just relative for improvement and uh and i think we have to be so just my, my follow-up on that yeah. is, is in the in your role as an analyst and as you go into this as a as a play caller again what, what did that experience of getting to watch the game in a slightly different way do for that that process yeah i look you, you, you appreciate a couple things. You appreciate entertainment. So that's what I was in. You know, and so there's that old adage, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. You know, um, I'm not saying, but it's different as an analyst. Um, you're not vested the same way. Um, the amount of time spent is much different. Now, I'll say this. The group I got the opportunity to work for, and that's Fox was by far the best in the business. And then there's they've been number one in their pregame shows. They have the Super Bowl this year. Tonight I'll be I'll be doing my last bit of work for Fox tonight and then Saturday and Sunday. So I'm kind of carrying two lunch pails here. Um, I'm picking the Eagles. We never want anyone in our division to win anything, right? The perfect weekend for a Bronco fan is we get a win and the other three lose. Um but I think that it's more entertainment. You, you recognize you don't have as much time. You're coming on. Let's be clear, quick with our comments. Let's be enlightening. It, it, from a coach, it was nice because I could watch a game in the green room, and Jimmy Johnson is in there, Michael Strahan, um, Kurt Menefee, Howie Long, Terry Bradshaw. I mean, these guys are who – these guys were like icons for me. And I get to sit here and, like, eat food and watch football games, you know. And so I'd be the last one that would be like, hey, it's time for you to go. I'm like, all right, got to go home. Um, that was my football fix. Carissa, all right, working. Charles Woodson, Michael Vick, Michael uh, Schrager, meeting him. I'm going to miss those people because they were so – like welcoming to me and they taught me like where do you put your hands when you're standing on tv um you know sit up straight you know all the little secrets that you think you know and that are good enough for press conferences but aren't necessarily good enough for national tv um that was fun All right, that was Sean Payton uh, live from the podium. That was a lot. We've been uh, carrying Sean for uh, good. Well, and I include Greg Penner and, and um, George Payton in that mix as well. But nearly 90% Sean, yeah, right? Yeah, 90% Sean for uh, really the last um, close to 45 minutes. Now, there is so much to get to. I have nearly three pages 
uh, worth of notes here. Hashtag grinder. Uh, lots of interesting stuff, Stoke. I mean, I, I'll kind of give you the floor. Where where do you want to start here that, that stuck out to you? I, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I like how he started the whole thing. He's like, you know, when I first did this, the first time I had a script, my agent gave me three pages of notes, and he said it was awful. He's like, I'm, I'm just coming out here, and I'm just going to be real. We're just going to talk. Yep. And so I loved how he opened the whole thing up. I thought it, I thought the whole thing was great, man. I thought he nailed it out of the park. I uh, thought it was really, really good. He hit on so many different areas. He did. Um, but I just thought it was uh, it was really, really good. Just, you know, from the detail stuff to, you know, the culture stuff to, you know, um, and it, it's like got so many notes. But and, and just at the end there, because that's the most recent what we heard. Yeah. You know, he wasn't even asked about, you know, who are you picking for the Super Bowl? You know, thoughts here. He wasn't asked about that. He was just talking about Fox. He went out of his way. Yes, he did. To just say, hey. I'm picking the Eagles here. We don't want anyone in our division to win anything, right? Um, and that was just off the cuff. So that just set the tone. You know, Rocco's country was furious at Nathaniel Hackett because he would never admit, like, they, this Chiefs rivalry, this Raiders rivalry, like, shouldn't it mean more? Don't you hate them a little bit? You know, no, no, I love them all. You know, my dad was in the, with the Raiders. No. So he just comes out. You know, without even being asked and, and kind of saying, hey, this is how we don't want those guys to win anything. That is great. Broncos country loves that. So, um, you know, that was one of the big takeaways there um, uh, f- for me. But there were so many. How about you? No, Well, I, I love that observation and wrote that down as well. And you went straight line to the thought that I had of Nathaniel Hackett leaned away from the uber competitive we're going to scr- scrape and claw and scratch and bite that kneecap, and we're going to do everything we can uh, to, to, to beat our opponents. These are our rivals. And Hackett, the friendly nature of Hackett, became, like, all-encompassing to where you'd be 48 hours away from you playing your rival, and it's, no, we don't hate them. And Sean Payton has a level of screw you to him. Yeah. He really does. And, I love it. And it's not hugs and kisses, no. man. Not, not, I mean, like... You got to have a little dog in you. Yes. This is the NFL. Yes. We're not selling Girl Scout cookies. I think they just started doing that like last week uh, or this past weekend. Give me my Samoas. Well, yes. Is that what you're on? I love the Samoas. Really? Oh, that's the coconut, right? Yes. Oh, those are the worst. Yeah, I love those. What? Love those. What is wrong with you? I like the Thin Mints, and I like the yeah. um, the the newer one from about 10 years ago with uh, the peanut butter. What are yeah. they? Something tracks. Yeah, sure. Something, yeah. Something, yeah. Something. Yeah. You like them all, fan. apparently. I do like yeah. them all. I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh no, but you're right. You got to have a little bit of that in yeah, nasty. Yes. It's NFL. You know, and if you're not getting your job done, guess what? You're gone. Right. This is what it's about, man. And he talked about that. He said, this, you got to make people uncomfortable. It's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. Yes. When you have to cut people, that's what he was talking about with the Saints turning yep. over yep. the roster. Yep. This roster will be turned over. No doubt. It will be flipped on top of its head, right? Just like when I was in Seattle. When, when McDaniels cut me and I got to go to this great place up there in the Northwest, thank you, Josh, for cutting me <laughs> in 2000. And what year was that? 11? Okay. 2010? No, 2010. 2010, I ended up in a much greener pastures over there in, in Seattle, and I was in the playoffs. So, um, But that roster was just it's Pete Carroll's first year, John Snyder's first year, and they had more transactions and than anyone in NFL history. Wow! When it came to that roster, and I, I'm not expecting that to that degree. Uh, but you're going to see a lot of changes, and why not? It makes sense. This football team's been awful. So, and the roster is overrated. Yeah, yes. This, this is a five-win team, right? I mean, we and what was it last year? 
Uh, the year before last seven? whatever. Right. And the then the year before team? that. I mean, like, six win team? Yeah, exactly. It's been a bad football. It's been a losing football team for years. Yes, it has. It needs a lot of upgrades. There's no doubt about it. And he seems acutely aware of that. Um, and who knows? And probably won't be like you said to, to, to the example in Seattle where it's, you know, the most turnover uh, in the history of the NFL. But at the same time, it might be somewhere between that and what Dion's doing up in Boulder, you know, over the next year or two. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Um, but he said, and, and I love how he said this to, to your point, him saying that, like, hey, just a heads up, I'm picking the Eagles. Like, he said, the best case scenario Sunday is when the Broncos win and everyone else in your division loses. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that, that's been the way it should be anyway. That should never have changed. But it seemed like the last coach was almost worried about if someday he needed to get hired by the Raiders or the Chiefs. Yeah, and just wanted to be nice. Just just singing Kumbaya. Let's come around this campfire. Let's yeah. all have fun. No. Yep. No, this is not just about all having fun and everyone enjoying uh, what's going on. It's it's about winning and it's about um you know getting the job done. So that that was really refreshing. Like this guy, like, he's a pro. He's a pro. That's what we got. We got a pro. This is what we thought we were going to get when we hired Sean Payton. This is why I wanted the experience, experience, experience. And that was my number one uh, requirement in this process. It, it was just we got to get us a guy that's been there and done that. I know you did, too. And and this is why. Right here. You know, you listen to this guy talk, and he just gets it. He's been through the fires. Talking about 06 and, you know, New Orleans and, you know, going through Katrina and all that stuff they had to deal with. He's been through it all, and he's been to the mountaintop. So, like, you know, taking over this mess, it is a mess for him. Hey, mm-hmm. he, you know, roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. You know, this is nothing too big for him. I love it. His battery's charged. He wore the orange tie on purpose. And, uh, well, they didn't even ask him. I think that blue pin, too. Okay. That blue pin, you saw he had the blue pin, yeah. too. So yeah. it was the orange tie. And the blue pin, I think, was a message also. This is where he wanted to be. The Broncos got their guy. More reaction to Sean Payton and something that he said. There was one thing, Zach. Oh, and, it's, you, and it sticks I think out. I we're on the same sti- page. And it sticks the hell out. Hang tight. It's next.